step into the lion's den, where brilliant women and brilliant men have truly bold conversations. There is nothing off limits inside the den, from the boardroom to the bedroom. Every dimension of life and love is uncovered here. They talk about all the things that many of us think but rarely say out loud. So if you're ready for some truly courageous conversation, join your host, Albion Lyons, and her co-host and cub, Jay Wilson, along with a host of special guests and expert contributors as they bring you your new favorite radio show, Come Inside the Lion's Skin. Well, welcome to the Lion's Den. You are officially inside for another dynamic conversation as we peel back the layers of life and love, even leadership in a lot of ways. But today's conversation is going to be a very interesting one. So first, let me say hello to everyone. I am your host, Alvian Lyons, and inside the den with me, my co-host, Jay Wilson, the gift. You know, she's going to say, you know, it. our other co-host, the present. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Huck is back inside of the den, y'all. You know that that's always going to happen. And then as you've gotten accustomed to, we have a special guest inside of the den, a very good friend of mine whom I have known for, God, it feels like decades at this point. We were in education together, leadership together, doing all kinds of things over the years. But today he's just going to be a friend who's having an honest conversation about a very real issue, and it's manhood without a map. We want to welcome inside the den Rashad Wright. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. I'm excited. You know, so I'm going to skip all of the cute little stuff that people do when you're not really friends. And we're going to get right down to the real conversation. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So we have had many discussions both on air and off air over the years about expectations that women have, professionals have, the list goes on and on of men today what they're what they think they should be how they should be how they conduct themselves how they handle things who they are as fathers as leaders as bosses as friends as partners the list goes on and on but what happens when you have to discover manhood without a map and you Rashad have a very interesting story not different than a lot of people but the success that you've achieved despite those realities definitely is worthy of conversation which is why we wanted to bring you inside of the den for this this conversation you did not have your father inside of the house as you grew up and yet ended up being wildly successful so tell us a little bit about what that really has meant for you figuring out this manhood thing when you did not have a personal map of your own wow manhood without without a map well first of all thank you for the uh, intro and description i'm always humbled um to unpack my story mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. this this idea this stressor um, this 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 heavy heavy um, backpack yeah um, some would even consider it to be a burden the idea of manhood without a map um, comes with a lot and and I, I would say that the older I have gotten and as I walk the trail run the trail <laughs> Ride the trail is truly about being centered in hope. Mm. And I think that uh, I've always had a belief that regardless of the obstacles, um, there was hope that I could be the man that I always wanted to follow. Really? So in order to be the man that you want to follow, you may not have that model 
day to day right as you you know make your bowl of cereal um, as you expect a parent to come to events as you um, look to acquire education and create stability in your life well prior to establishing your own family but having hope and learning from other men that you see mm. good bad or indifferent so I think that the manhood process for me without a map has truly been about observation and paying close attention to you know what I what I aspired to model. Mm. So um, let me ask you, what when you were younger, mm-hmm. what did manhood mean to you as a young boy versus what manhood now means to you as a grown man? What a question! No surprise. <laughs> Tough questions from you. Um, what did it represent? Yeah, like when you were a boy. Yes. And and you're figuring this thing out. So you have an, a, a super engaged mother, you know, just loved you immensely, you know, a, a network, a family, supportive, all of that. You have that, mm-hmm. but you don't have a father inside of the home day to day, right? So, so you have to figure out what what does man mean when you are a young boy watching a, a good woman, but you're not watching a good man inside of your house every day. So what did it mean then versus what you now have the presence and the experience to say, this is what manhood means to me now? Full confession, that's a very challenging um, reality to face because I did not watch a man love, support my mother. Mm -hmm. So again, it was, you know, my Lego set, you know, my um, drawing, my creation, my dreams to to really try to take all of what we view from the world and try to put together that man, um, that archetypal supportive man financially, spiritually, you know, et cetera, for my mom. And then think about um, my way of forming that Voltron, you know, mm. for, for lack of better terms. So I thought it should have been about financial stability, um, which I did not see a lot of. I thought it should have been about protection, mm. um, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I think that it um, should have been about um, cooking. <laughs> um, it should have been about um, family events and vacations. It should have been about a level of um, strength, let in, yet intellect, excuse me. Right. Did not see that, uh, but a lot of hope. And um, I was very creative as a young man. I was very confident, uh, which was a farce as a young man. So I think I really looked to attach myself to men in the community, whether it be through church or coaches, um, et cetera, um, and TV. You mm-hmm. know, um, we're not supposed to bring up Cliff, Cliff Huxtable, but hey, <laughs> you know. Look, what, what did, Cliff what did, Huxtable no, was, what, yeah. what, what did we Cliff see as? Great. He was there. He may be he flawed funny. as a real man, but what he represented. And we're all flawed as, right. as real men. Obviously, my father um, was flawed because he wasn't there. Right. And our families have been flawed. So to finish your question, that was the view when I was young. Okay. But I will tell you now, it's about vulnerability. Mm. It's about um, communication. It's about uh, changing the paradigm and shifting the narrative. I think that men have to... Be okay with uh, being sensitive. Be okay with uh, 
putting faith first, be okay, partnering um, with with your your wife, your woman, your spouse to uh, create a financially um, independent and competent family. Mm. Um, I love to cook. And and honestly, my dream would be to be a stay at home dad. Really? Absolutely. And this came without a map. Um, I'm 100 percent heart and passion. And I think that, uh, and, and I read an article recently I'll have to send to you about um, our struggle as parents raising boys mm-hmm. and how we view masculinity mm-hmm. and how we want boys to be tough and suck it up and move on. And we really don't give them the opportunity to articulate their fears and what's going on. And that creates hyper-masculinity and uh, not enough space and safe places for them, um, you know, to truly grow. So as I look back at what I had to do to survive, right. it was through hope. And, and I didn't give up. I didn't give up. And I tell you, a sponge when it came to the men that modeled greatness and modeled love for their spouse um, and also those that were honest. Um, I don't think we're honest with ourselves about the difficulty of manhood. Right. Um, when you think about uh, perceptions from TV, society, and we're not even going to add the dynamic of being a minority male. Right. Because that's, that, that's another, another show. layer all by itself. Right. But it's definitely been without a map. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I thank God and I thank uh, the extended family mm-hmm. of friends that believed in me. And I just, uh, I would not relent. So what were the the most impactful messages you received about manhood that has sort of guided, have become sort of your, you know, your totem inside of the storm? You know, that these are the things that I'm anchoring myself on. What were those messages, wherever they came from, that helped you to put together almost like you refer to it like a Voltron for people who don't know what that is, you know, like... (laughs) You're talking about a a action figure no doubt. that came together in various pieces that when connected was significantly more powerful than it was in pieces. So you put together pieces that have made you what you are. But what were those pieces like? Where did you get those from when they weren't inside of your home? Well, it was something that my mother um, shared with uh my sister and I, my cousins very early on that really stuck with me is that education decides what you eat for dinner. Mm. And I like that. You Mm. know, we're we're talking about a woman who her birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday. Happy belated Um, birthday. She she is retired uh, from Colonial Williamsburg after 20 plus years and, um, you know, does not have the education that I have. Mm -hmm. But uh, she meant education as a pathway, Mm -hmm. education as liberation, education as freedom. Yep. Education as a negotiating power. Mm. So acquiring education and going and taking that route gave me the ability to sit at the table mm. and ensure that I yeah. was heard. Right. That's a part of that's one of the Voltron cats. Right. So right. that 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 quote. The other piece I would say is being competitive mm-hmm. and competitive, you know, uh, without apology. So mm-hmm. there's an edge with me that I have to be very honest about. I will compete without apology to ensure that um, I'm giving my best and that my presence is felt. Mm-hmm. And I've had to scale that down because it came off as arrogance, but but that was because of pain. Mm. You're right. And then ultimately it became 
confidence and it has shifted to service, right? Mm-hmm. So arrogance, confidence, now service, service uh, which is also humility. But it came from this unapologetic level of competition because I ensured that I competed in sports. Um, and I was a football captain and a show choir captain. I had a lot of balance. Um, I grew up in a very diverse um, setting, and that was important. But uh, very competitive, so that's the other. That's another Voltron cat. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. The, the first Voltron cat really should have been faith. And and I'll, I'll tell you, I'm definitely more spiritual than I am religious. Um, I have always help stayed, people understand what the distinction you're making when you say that. Uh, I I say that um, Christ and you know uh, my Lord and Savior mm-hmm. because that's my denomination and my focus. Right, I respect right. everyone. Right. Um, always knew that there was a spiritual being in me or that I could speak through scripture, harness myself in scripture that I knew I needed to stay grounded and and to pray. And that always helped me. And I didn't have to pray at my church and, and in fellowship. It was just something that I I could do as a discussant with others or alone. So that's another Voltron cat. When I think about this manhood without a map, Um, the other piece I've always been a communicator And I think that if you can communicate, speak the Queen's English, write the Queen's English. If you can communicate and code switch, that helped me um, compete as a man. I mean, it, it just has. Everyone's different. You know, whether it's music, you know, whether you're an engineer, um, you know, whether you're a liberal arts person. I think for me, at a very young age as a man, I have been able to survive as a man because I can communicate. Hmm. All right. Because I can communicate, which then lends itself to influence. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. There's a a fine line. Right. Yes, there is. All right. Yes, (laughs) there is. That's another Voltron cat. And I I will I will say this. And um, this is the most important one to me. The piece that stuck out with me, manhood without a map, is that I promised myself that my sons, no mistake I had sons, my father wasn't there, that my sons would never feel like I felt. Hmm. I had a really hard time with my father not being around. That was a void that I have dealt with all of my life. Just recently talked to him um, this past November and had the conversation now, so, how often do you guys communicate? Oh, we don't. Okay, so don't. when you talked to him this November, how long had it been since the last time you had talked? It had been a couple years, okay. so it was sporadic. We could go a couple years. Um, we could go a year. We could go five years, ten years. I could, you know, okay. My family's from Baltimore, so I could be in Baltimore and attempt to see him. He couldn't make it, not in a position to health-wise, has some drug abuse issues. Decorated gentleman, by the way, had a, had a lot of talent. Um, so I will say again, my sons will never feel that way. The mm-hmm. void will never be fatherhood. Mm-hmm. All right. And I think that we still struggle with fatherhood as men. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think the closer we can get to acknowledging that, the sooner we can get to healing. healing. Yes, sir. Right. Yes, sir. So let me ask you a question. And this, you know, you know me, it's been years, okay? So you won't, you shall not be surprised by the depth of the question I'm going to ask, okay? So that lack of map bleeds into lots of areas of our lives, right? So for you, as it bled into the personal life that you built, what do you think that it cost you not having that map? 
<laughs> I think as you, as I look at the gray that's in my beard and, and I think back to the farce of success, what it cost me um, was reputation and integrity at times, mm. which can only be fixed by how you how you carry yourself and individuals being able to see a better version of you. I've probably spent the past two years validating my purpose because I've been the best version of myself the past two to three years. Hmm. Um, Why do you say two to three years? What what was what was the linchpin? What was the changing factor? You've well, been alive me, for several. 41. Okay. Let, me, let me tell you this. My, my mother always said, don't, don't let your talent take you where your character can't keep you. I know that's right. Mm. I'm loving your mother. And one of the things um, I will humbly tell you, I always know I was talented. All right? But uh, not having a model as a male and having to navigate character. See, men, we're conquerors, right? We can conquer relationships. Um, You know, there are other things we can conquer. Um, We think we're conquering, even though, you know, women have children, right? Right. And Mm -hmm. and we think we're conquering something. But uh, (laughs) what, what, what what we think we're supposed to be doing versus our role of being present, being active, you know, our, our children need our presence, not presence. Right. Um, so I, I think for me, the cost for the cost of having to live a life of manhood without a map, had me worldly at times mm. um, and, and had me talented but sporadic in character, mm. right? So the past couple years for me, I have accepted my journey of not having a father. I've, I've accepted the expectation mm-hmm. of integrity and character, and I've learned to be still, and I've learned to be authentic, um, to a fault. And, and I want to be the best father possible for my boys. I want them to be sensitive and communicative and I want them to, to work hard. So I I just think I struggled, um, really being the man I needed to be. And I'm still learning, but I feel really good about where I am. I know that's right. Because, I mean, anything that's not growing is dying. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so the fact that you are still growing is a gift because you are choosing not to die. Because we, there are too many of us who are living our lives dying and spent instead of the 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 opposite. You know, like we're just we stay in this perpetual race to the end because we refuse to grow when we could spend our lives truly living because we have made growth the foundation of who we are and we're okay with our imperfections. You know, like yes. there there's some incredible work that was done by. Um, by a, a a renowned renowned uh, writer years ago, where she was talking about the fact that there are gifts of imperfection, 
And we, we often in our society, we are in such pursuit of perfection that we are willing to, to trade reality for the illusion because we want it to look so good. And just for those of you who want to look up that, that information, it's Dr. Brene Brown who wrote that book. But it was the gifts of imperfection are, is really the foundation of her, her next book was Daring Greatly. Mm-hmm. That if we're going to be great, it's going to require the very things you were talking about before, vulnerability and honesty and all of this, this baggage that we carry in our pursuit of holding on to this image, which you refer to as the farce, that if we're willing to give up the farce and we're not afraid of shame, which is what her research is on, mm-hmm. that we're not afraid of being imperfect and being less than what everybody else wants us to be, that it is at that space that we have the opportunity to really create greatness. So listening to you talk about that and knowing that you are the father of boys and people really greatly underestimate the power of parenting because it's the closest to God you're ever going to be because you are responsible for the creation and the nurturing of life. And what you do with that is the legacy that you leave behind. So whatever we leave unfinished as adults, our kids often end up having to finish inside of their childhoods. So we have a job to do the work as grown-ups, so they don't have to carry our baggage. They can work through their own instead. So I know that, the, I mean, this conversation, we're going to do a whole series on this manhood without a map. So just know that you will most certainly be coming back. But before we wrap, I know that you had a, a question. I did have a question. So in your ascension to manhood, um, to the man that you have now become, in retrospect, what what were you able to identify as some of the counterproductive contributing factors that most young men probably with similar stories probably still deal with today? What would you caution them by? I would say be honest. I, you know, it's, you just have to be honest. You know, we, we run, we run from honesty um, because we want to, to live up to strength. I mean, that's the expectation. I mean, every man cannot look like Matt Lyons. You know what I mean, <laughs> right. but I tell you, I feel, I, know, I'm I feel sorry, as though I, I, I got him now. It took me a while. <laughs> you know, it, it took me a while to get there, but I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm good to go. Um, you know, he's not going to catch me out front when I leave, but you know, I think we need to, we need to be honest, right? So take relationships, mm-hmm. men by stigma, um, TV songs, mm-hmm. you know, men are typically getting caught in some type of lie, right? Mm-hmm. We're not telling the truth about where we are, the relationship. And I think what's interesting is that pop, the popularity of that description mm-hmm. comes from truth around our ability to, as Brene Brown would say, be vulnerable mm-hmm. and honest right. and grapple with the reality, right? Mm-hmm. So we're supposed to be providers, so we don't need to be dishonest if we're not providing, mm-hmm. all right? Um, relationships, be very honest about your needs. Right. Um, you can be with one woman, right. but you need Amen. to be honest with that woman about your needs. There's Amen. no reason for us to spend our time elsewhere. Right. Um, being fathers and being present, um, the criminal justice system should, you know, or the juvenile system should not um, decide where we are. I know so that's right. I, I would say the key is honesty. Mm-hmm. 
and being honest with the people in your circle and being honest in your relationship and being honest with yourself. It's mm-hmm. okay not to be where you need to be. Right. That's mm-hmm. how you ascend. As long as you are, you continue to grow to where it is that you need to go. Right. But what do you think trained young men to be dishonest? I, I will tell you, we definitely need to talk more. There's some systemic dynamics mm-hmm. um, with society that were intentional. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen 13th, mm-hmm. um, you know, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. There it's were fantastic. systemic processes and procedures in place to emasculate and destroy the mm-hmm. African-American male. Um, and I, and that's number one. But But I think that, again, wanting to be the man... Um, when we really haven't had a lot of good models has mm-hmm. been challenging for us. Yes, We still do. have a lot right. of work to do. Oh, I totally agree. I absolutely agree. Well, listeners, you, you know that we're in for an incredible series, a fantastic conversation around what this really means. What is manhood without a map? It, it bleeds into every area of our lives. We look for husbands who have never seen what it means to be a husband. We look for fathers who have never seen what it means to be a father. We look for friends who haven't seen what it means to be a true friend, all inside of this package that we call manhood. And what has that pursuit and that process been for these men, these well-achieved, well highly achieved, successful men who have seemed to have been able to make it, but they have not made it to where they are without the scars and the tattoos that go with the stories of their mm-hmm. process. So we are going to continue an entire series on this. We will have Rashad back inside of the den with us again for part two of the conversation. Rashad, we want to thank you for everything it is that you brought into this first discussion as we begin peeling back these layers, getting honest, not being afraid of the vulnerability, and really giving room for true growth. We just thank all of you listeners for your continued, continued commitment to us. Come back with us on the other side of the break. We'll be back on the other side of this break with real people, relevant topics, and raw honesty inside the Lion's Den. Stay tuned.